Welcome to Phone Booth Fighting, everybody. It's an early Memorial Day morning edition, Frank. This may be one of our earliest tapings we've ever uh, executed. In the same country, yeah. Yeah, we don't do a lot of morning tape. Well, I guess, yeah, that's true. You Sometimes when you've been overseas, but as far as us just getting together, certainly here in the bunker, I think this may be the uh, earliest uh, taping. But that's okay, because it's a holiday, and uh, I've got punk rock bowling to get to, and Frank Scott, are you doing family activities today? Yeah, I'm going to try to go to the movies. Okay, sounds good. Uh, is there a new comic book movie? No. Is there a new uh, medieval times I think movie? I'm going to try to take the kids to go see Baywatch. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, it'd be fun for the kids. I don't know. Is it rated R? I don't know. I got to look into it. Is that an issue in your family? You know, it's weird. If it's sexual, yeah. Yeah. Which is, I have obviously friends on an international level and they think that I'm weird. And actually when I've had this discussion with them, I get it. I am weird. Yeah. They're like, wait a minute. So insinuating sex or a scene like that, if your teenager daughter saw that, that's worse than her seeing someone rip someone's arms off. Mm-hmm. And my first inclination is like, absolutely. Yeah, that's awful. And yeah. Like, I'm an American. Of course. They're like, you're retarded. And I, yeah. I kind of thought about it. I'm like, shit, you're right. I'm worried about sexual innuendos mm-hmm. and, and, you know, kind of you know, that context more than I am worried about someone ripping someone's arms off. That's the way we look at it over here. Um, all right. So we are uh, inside the uh, phone booth fighting bunker, stately mirror manor, suburban Las Vegas. Uh, before we get into <coughs> talking about some fights from Stockholm yesterday, and uh, before we get into talking about what our uh, weekend has involved already, which is some pretty colorful activity, we've got a couple of things to let you know about. Number one, Earth's Brew. Uh, we thank Earth's Brew for supporting phone booth fighting. And if you're wondering what we're talking about, it's uh, always this little box right here on the table. If you watch our uh, phone booth fighting YouTube channel, Earth's Brew is a plant-based taste of nirvana a way to go beyond alcohol to a state of relaxation and mental clarity these little uh powder packets here that i'm holding up 15 calories per serving you mix that up in uh some water and a 100 natural alcohol free sugar free preservative free way to relax frank and relax is good for you after a hard day of training come home throw some in a drink and it's a way of winding down and preparing for uh the most important aspect of your training which is the uh the healing part the resting uh, uh the regrouping and then uh, if you go to uh, earthsbrew.com and enter promo code phone booth uh for 10 percent off so uh huge advantage exclusive offer for our phone booth fighting listeners 10 percent off if you go to earthsbrew.com enter that promo code phone booth now, after you go to earthsbrew.com and do that, go to phoneboothfighting.com and uh, check out all of our previously aired and archived episodes. Click on that Amazon banner, Frank. That Amazon banner has been paying dividends right there on the front of phoneboothfighting.com. If you're going to shop on Amazon, 
click through the banner, and uh, at no additional cost to you, you will be able to support the show because we get a small percentage off of your uh, purchases. You can also click on the Patreon banner, uh, and for as little as a dollar a month, subscribe to premium content courtesy of Phone Booth Fighting, stuff that you don't get as part of the regular twice-weekly podcast. And then there's the official Phone Booth Fighting uh, merchandise shop at the website, Frank. And uh, I've got the uh, ladies' tees here, the uh, Bella Cut ladies' tees, which are uh, flying off the shelves, the virtual shelves. And, uh, you know, the the women, uh, our lady listeners, have been asking for their own version of a shirt for a while. And up to now, we hadn't done it. 2017 is the year of the phone booth fighting female. Girls are catching up in every way. I know you like this one. The the black-on-black crime edition. Limited edition. In fact, uh, uh, if these are a hit, we may make some in your size, Frank. But uh, be nice is that's why I'm a fan. Not so much that I'm a fan of black-on-black. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, for right now, it's... But I like uh, the black slimming t-shirt. Look. Yes, yeah, me too. For right now, it's uh, a limited edition. You can get those at phoneboothfighting.com. All right. Uh, there was a, a fight card over at uh, uh, Stockholm we're going to talk about here in a minute. But first of all, Frank, I had to tell you uh, what my... Uh, this is a big weekend in the Hunter household. You probably heard me talk about punk rock bowling that I go to every year. A little bit. Yeah. It is uh, here in Las Vegas, 19 years running, a whole bunch of dirty punks get together and they take over downtown Las Vegas and a three-day punk rock festival ensues. Now, you may ask, well, wait a second, it's called punk rock bowling. Are you bowling? I don't bowl, but there is an actual bowling tournament involved. That's uh, and you, You know who turned me on to all this was Dan Hardy. Uh, when I first came to Las Vegas, he said, uh, uh, you're going to want to check this out. And it's a whole amazing collection of bands. Now, tell you you uh, you took in some music last night as well. We're going to start there, and then I'm going to yeah. show you my, my punk rock bowling experience, how it differed from yours. What would you do? Well, uh, you know, uh, Raymond and uh, Sean, good yes. friend of ours, took us uh, uh, to go see uh, I never, uh, what was it? Jay Blavin. Jay Blavin. At the Mandalay Bay. Basically, okay. uh, how do I describe I it? I thought that now that's your uh, X Games friend. No, 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 no. I'm thinking of TJ Lavin. Right. Close. Well, this guy was basically the Latin version of Justin Bieber. Oh, okay. All right. And, uh, you know, the music was was pretty decent, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got to sit up in a, a cabana, so I got to be, uh, I didn't have to be shoulder to shoulder with anybody. I got a good view of the stage. Uh-huh. The Mandalay Bay. So this is out where they do the shows by the pool? Right. It was mm-hmm. out on the beach, so. Mm-hmm. But uh, people watching was mm-hmm. phenomenal. Mm-hmm. It's funny, because I find myself that that's really one of my favorite pastimes now. Mm-hmm. I'll be at the airport and not pull out my phone or my iPad, because mm-hmm. I just sit there, and I, and I just like to watch people. And uh, we were sitting there, and first we ate at the Border Grill, and uh, we could see the girls and guys lining up to get ready to go inside. By the way, while we're talking about this, Travis, see if you could pull up some Jay Blavin, because uh, I don't know Jay Blavin. This is going to be an education for me. Go yeah, ahead. Colombian guy. Actually, it mm-hmm. seems like he's won some stuff uh, artistically. I don't know. Like I said, it was, it was decent music. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, man, some of the Latin girls, you know, <laughs> white girls, just the ladies in general, they they showed up uh, dressed in some outfits that uh, made me admire them. You know, mm. <laughs> the bravery 
to put some of the outfits on that some of these girls were wearing mm-hmm. that they should not have been wearing. Yeah, yeah, uh, the the self-confidence, if you will. Yeah, like, in fact, you know, I mean, I could see, you know, on the surface at first, my initial response, you know, you kind of tease or make fun of, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, look at that girl. Mm-hmm. But I was sitting there, I was like, that's pretty impressive that they're happy and they don't care what's falling out of what and and what role or just, you know, some girls, it's their bodies, you know, the high-waisted jeans. It's like, yeah. they're not for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I didn't see a girl there that night that it was probably for her. <laughs> All right. Now, let me uh, let me hear a little Jay Blavin. <laughs> I, uh, you know what, Travis? Go to that one, I Vamos, the white one. Look, by the way, before you play that, look at the number of views. This has been on there for two years. It's gotten 1 billion 264 million 151,411 views. My goodness. Uh, yeah, he was pretty popular. Seems popular. All right, go ahead and blow that thing up there. Let's check out Jay Blavin here. People, our, uh, our Colombian listeners are probably like, oh, hang on. We got to listen to a... You bread. got a kitchen that's brand new. Turn that down for a second. Is that Jay Blavin there? Yeah, that's him. That's him? Okay. Let's see. It looks like he had a fight with his girl. That's the premise of the music video. So he's got to go into his studio and no sing about it. Siempre me hace reclamo. Discutimos, peleamos. Pero llego a casa en la noche, la molesto y arreglamos. Ah. Now, I don't speak Spanish, but I can tell from the video that he's frustrated by the nagging yeah. of his lady. My Spanish is really bad, but I, yeah. I think what I gather from this song, from the few words I can understand, yeah. uh, he fights with his girl, but then they, they work on putting it back together. I and see. So it's like we fight, but then we mm-hmm. put it back together, which, I mean, we could probably use Google Translate and look up the lyrics or mm-hmm. any of our listeners that are much more fluent in Spanish than I am, which yeah. is quite a few people. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, this is two years ago. So, obviously, Jay Blavin has 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 been around for a few years. Yeah, and like I said, like honestly, I didn't know either who he was. It was just, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the wife was like, "Hey, uh, Sean and 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 Raymond, they're gonna, you know, want to go to a concert and dinner." And I'm like, "Oh man, I, you know." And I've been pretty under the weather lately. Mm-hmm. But I got that look where I'm like, and I think all husbands and boyfriends will know that this look where if if you fucking say no, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah. So this was wife-driven? Did she already know of Jay Blavin? No, she just wanted to put on makeup and a nice dress. And, oh, okay. Who yeah, did, who was the Jay Blavin fan? Or was that uh, just more well, incidental Well, Raymond's full-blooded Cubans. So okay. I, I don't know, you know. He might have. Uh, might have yeah. been. Uh, he had a, I think it was more or less it was a concert that came in. And, and Lane, you know, Sean has a, a lot of access through her yeah. uh, her business uh, of, uh, of um, marketing and yeah. VIP services. So I think she just, it was kind of like, hey, we have a, a concert. We have tickets too. Would you, you know, let's go. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, now, now you said he was a, he was a little Justin Bieberish. Does, uh, does, does Bella know of Jay Blavin? No. Well, we got home late last night, probably 11, uh, yeah. uh, 30 midnight. And so Bella was already asleep, but it was funny. Cause in fact, I think he even sang one of Justin Bieber's songs. Mm-hmm. Did he do uh is it too late to say I'm sorry? I think so. Might have done that yeah, one, the yeah. Spanish version. Yeah. I know uh, I know that one, and there's one other one. Uh 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 you to the company. What a keep you to the company. Every other word is company. So I don't know that one. We should 
being in each other's company. You think as much as Bella listens to it, I'd be an expert on it. Yeah, these. yeah, those I are the two you my that I know. Funny window song, because you know my my car. I have a sound system in it, so you know the radio's loud, and I, you know it has. A, <laughs> I if I have my windows down and I pull up next to somebody, if mm-hmm. Bella's in the car, you can definitely hear what we're listening to. So I think she had. Uh, you know, you can download like ten thousand songs onto the hard drive in mm-hmm. the car. So I have quite a few. Uh, you know, teenager pop music is probably the majority of what's in my car because mm-hmm. Bella will download stuff when we're driving to the gym. So one day, uh, she wasn't in the car with me, but uh, it was Katy Perry's "Roar." Mm. And look, man, I mean, Katy Perry's music, I, I like it. I mean, I don't think I would, you know. Uh, readily we want to be caught in the middle of concert dancing around, you know, um, video, it'd probably be a little embarrassing, you know, if my daughter wasn't there, but, uh, so, the, so in my car, I have the windows down and that's blasting because that's a song that happens to come on and, and, and I'm bobbing my head to it cause it's a good beat, you know, then I'm sitting there and, and I just feel people staring at me. And so I look over and I see a group of uh, a bunch of guys in a car, you know, young 20 something year old guys. And they're just like staring at me. And I think they even recognize me because mm. they're just like looking and like, you can see the look in their face, like, holy shit, it's Frank Mir. The fuck is he listening to? <laughs> yeah. Where's Misha Tate? That's her walkout music. Right? Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, I just kind of like looked at him. And I just remember kind of shrugging my shoulders and like, yeah. it's a good song. So you you and Jay Blavin, you had the uh, you had the VIP treatment at Jay Blavin last night. Uh, what, would, what was the crowd like? I'm going somewhere with this because I'm going to segue into my punk rock bowling story. Uh, if, if you had been down there poolside... Was it a rowdy crowd? No, not really. I mean, yeah. I think I saw the police because we were able to overlook the beach area over the stage. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's probably 2,000 people mm-hmm. in the beach, in the water, right in front of the stage. And uh, I didn't see one fight. Uh, I saw one guy that looked like he decided to take a nap because he was so drunk. I'm assuming, you know, security and then the metro came over and. You know, and they woke him up, and I'm looking over. I'm like, "Oh, am I going to see something?" He, uh, you know, got up, and his buddies helped stumble away. You know, it was time to call it a night, and I mean, that was about the most, uh, you know, dramatic thing that I saw the whole night. It seemed like a decent crowd of people that you know were honestly there just to have a good time. So I'm down at uh, Punk Rock Bowling this weekend, downtown Las Vegas. If you don't know Las Vegas, there's the strip area of Vegas, and then there's the downtown area of Vegas, which up until a few years ago was a seedy part of yeah, Las Vegas. Super now, it, bad. The vagrants and stuff. And, yeah. And just so people know, it was basically, I mean, if you went downtown five years ago, right, Travel, you, think you had to literally step over vagrants you know, you could be inside. Well, my, my dad's uh, cousin owns a cigar shop down in Las Vegas Boulevard, north of the Stratosphere. Yeah. And uh, five, six years ago, at least once an hour, we had to tell a vagrant to get out of the shop. You know, you're sitting there smoking cigars, hanging out, and we're there, and guys walking. And so, you know, and, and that doesn't promote good for tourism. You don't want to go there and be hassled by, you know, vagrants. Yeah. So, well, the great thing about punk rock bowling is you can't tell the vagrants from the yeah. concert goers. Well, they did and, a good job of cleaning it up there. Yeah, it has been. Uh, the, the, it, I think yeah. the police, they, 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 they bust the vagrants hard now as far as, you know, relocating them. You know, it's like, all right, look, you know, 
<laughs> well, I don't know. I guess this expression doesn't fit well, but you know, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you say that to the, a vagrant. Huh? The area is still uh, <laughs> a, a little, a little, uh, a little interesting, but but yeah, that you know, there's been a lot of like urban renewal development coming yeah. in and and uh, a restaurants lot of and stuff. Over for the businesses. Yeah, so so it's it's a good place. Uh, we we like to hang out down there anyway. But but once a year, punk rock bowling happens. So here's the deal: nineteen years ago, Frank. Two brothers who were in uh, an old school punk band called Youth Brigade. Um, they basically wanted to have a bowling tournament, so they put on a bowling tournament. They got a couple of punk bands to play uh, here in Las Vegas, and that little bowling tournament has grown into a festival that draws. I mean, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people by the time the we're whole not put up a Youth Brigade song. Uh, yeah, you want to play a little Youth Brigade? Travis, I'll just have you work on the fly here if you'll uh, just YouTube uh, Youth Brigade, and then uh, we can uh, sample them, get an idea of what they're about, the brothers uh, Sean and Mark Stern. But so they started off doing this thing uh, as just a little bowling tournament, and then the, they, the the bands would play in a casino. I think they did it at Sam's Town oh, one brothers, or two huh? years. Yeah, and then... Um, and then it grew into this this huge festival that it is now. So now you've got bands coming from all around the world. You've got uh, go ahead and uh, let's see here. Just uh, play a little. Uh, I hate my life. There, that should that should work. If you want to hear what Youth Brigade sounds like. Ah, uh, youth doesn't change. Huh? No, no. Here we go. Woke up, hung, locked on the bricks. Don't know where the hell I am. Who's thinking next to me? What did I do? I gotta be. Now these are the uh, these are the young Stern brothers. Now uh, this. So they founded in what 1980. Uh, yeah. So so nowadays the Stern brothers the, basically it's kind of an eight month out of the year job to run punk rock bowling. That's how big this festival is. And one of them has a 16 year old daughter who helps them book the younger punk bands. Like she sort of tells them what you know the kids are listening to and all that so go back to my videos there uh travis and let's do the uh pull the other one up first uh we'll play that one you got up there second so all right so just to set the stage okay so we the, have a conversation about the different genre i guess i could look it up but it's so much more interesting hearing it from you like, uh -huh. what's the difference between punk rock and hard rock or like so this, uh, like sublime not the sublime what beastie boys that's punk rock huh? kind of yeah now that there's there's obviously there's a rap influence there but there's definitely a punk rock influence as well. So, so the, the, the genesis of punk rock is, is this. Punk rock happened in the, the mid to late 70s originally, and it was kind of a reaction to the, um, the album-oriented rock that was going on. at the, So you think of what was popular in the 70s in rock, like the Eagles, Fleetwood Mac, you know, some of those kind of bands. And punk rock starting with bands like the Ramones, you've heard the Ramones, yeah. uh, the Sex Pistols over in England, 
um, was kind of a a reaction to all of the corporate. Hardy's stuff. a big punk rock fan. Yes, he is. Yeah, exactly. In fact, punk uh, rock start in England or? Um, hmm. What I feel like the English started this shit. Well, I I, w- I would say it was. I don't know. I would necessarily say it started in England because bands like the Ramon and like Iggy Pop, who we're about to talk about, there, are isn't there a genre of music that did start. In the, there's subgenres of of punk rock music like Oi. Because not Billy Bob talk about like the, the English invasion? Oh yeah, yeah, British, British invasion. Now that was back in like the early '60s. That's that's considered like the Beatles, the Rolling Stones, the Kinks, the Who. That's all the British invasion. Okay. So that kind of music is because basically you had you had Elvis, uh, and you had Chuck Berry, uh, Buddy Holly. Uh, you know, American acts like that. And then when the Beatles came to America, that's what's considered the first wave of the British invasion. Uh-huh. So that's going to be your early 60s. Then you get down to your uh, to your mid-70s, and punk rock was a reaction to kind of the, the more mellow rock of the day. So uh, Saturday night, which was the first night of the festival, punk rock bowling on in its 19th year had one of the biggest acts they've ever had play at punk rock bowling, which is Iggy Pop. Have you ever heard of Iggy Pop? Yeah. Iggy and the Stooges. Okay, so they've been around since about 1968, 1969. Uh, Iggy's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, He headlined the festival Saturday night. They sold out the festival. So there's, I don't know how many tens of thousands of people are down there. This is in that uh, downtown Las Vegas event center, that little outdoor thing they have down there right by Fremont Street. I've been to some boxing matches and stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's right where that is. So uh, I'm right down there in the pit with uh, uh, about, I don't know, 30 feet from the stage. All right, play a little. We're going to watch Iggy here. Also, keep in mind when you watch this shirtless freak running around the stage, he is 70 years old. Okay, roll this. You probably heard this on a car commercial, Lust for Life. I've heard the song. Yeah. Pretty crazy to see a 70-year-old like that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because my wife was just showing me videos of Cher. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wow, modern science. Yeah, yeah. Go to the uh, the other video there, Travis. So that I, was... And I don't think... Actually, I mean, that's probably pretty good on Iggy because, I mean, not to stereotype him. Well, I guess I am. But I can't imagine that... Is he like a vegan who eats super healthy and goes to the gym every day? That's a good question. I don't know. Uh, I, I I don't know about I've I've never heard that about him specifically, so I'm I'm not sure. Uh, Decent genetics. Yeah, yeah, for sure. This is uh, last night's headliner. Like Keith Richards, right? Yeah, like Keith Richards. Fucking bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. You can't seem to get rid of Keith Richards. Here's uh here's last night's headliner, Bad Religion. Now here's what's interesting. Go full screen oh, there, that. Travis. Yeah. So here's what's interesting about Bad Religion. Bad Religion, um, had they're one of the best selling punk bands of all time. They sold about five million records. 
Uh, and they've been around for 35 years, I think, something like that. Now, the interesting thing about these guys is they're fronted by this guy, Greg Graffin, who, in addition to being the front man of bad religion, is also a Ph.D. in paleontology. So he teaches part-time at Cornell University uh, courses in paleontology. And the interesting thing to watch them now is that they've just sort of naturally aged into looking like their age. So it's kind of like watching a group. No, this of, guy does not look like he should be. No, no. He looks like a professor. He does. He does. So watch him uh, performing here last night. Let's go ahead and roll this. That's funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I've heard this song. Yeah. It does look like someone's college professor fronting yeah. their punk band, right? Yeah. So we were having a good time. That's uh, That was two full days, and we got one more uh, full day uh, today. But it was the opposite of being in the cabana, let me tell you. It was... I told Jennifer, I said, it's well, impressive to you me. You guys started the whole, you know, you guys, punk rock. That's where mosh pitting started. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I Which I do not. I wish we need to. Do you ever do that? No. Look, man, if I'm fighting, about I'm you, fighting. Travis? You ever done that? I'm watching music, I'm watching music. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's kind of like if I'm drinking, I'm drinking. Yeah. I don't like to really mix my shit up. Not me neither. You I'm the same mean? way. No, I've, uh, I've been to lots of concerts where it's happening, but yeah. it's never been my thing. But I got a question. So yes. some of the music I've listened to in the past, like Pennywise, Agent Orange, mm -hmm. does that fit into kind of this genre? As a matter of fact, it does. I will be seeing Pennywise in a couple of hours because they are co-headlining the bill tonight. Here's, here's who we're going to go uh, see today after we get done taping the podcast. Uh, the band headlining tonight is Coxpar, who composed... Say again? Coxpar. Let me see what you're reading. Cock sparrer? Yeah. They actually... Like sparring, like we're going to spar each other, but with cocks? It, so cock sparring? Well, it's 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 I, it's it's probably not nearly as homoerotic as it sounds. Uh, Please do tell, because that sounds about as gay as you can. Yeah, yeah. I think something might be lost in the in the translation here between... Uh, I... I don't think so. I they're 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 yeah. You're right. Maybe it's me. I have a dirty brain. Cause yeah. You say cock, and I don't think rooster. Yeah. They're they're one of the they're one of the first oi bands, which is sort of a subgenre of punk. These guys uh, compose oi. Yeah. Is that anything like the shit that like they sing over like I oi oi like like who like uh, when you see like Ricky Hatton fighting like the different yeah. Yes, kinda. I mean, it's the, that's the same area of of Europe. That's England. Like okay. that's where that came from. And then uh, look up. Um, you know what, Travis? I'm working Travis overtime on the YouTube search. Look up England belongs to me, Coxbar, and we might find the version that Dan Hardy sings on. No because yeah, they did. His, this is Dan's walkout Can Dan sing? song. Uh, well, you you tell me. Let's give it a uh, let's give it a listen. Let's see if we can find the Dan Hardy. Version he did the backing vocals. There it is, right there. Go down, see featuring Dan Hardy, right down there at the Cock bottom. Yeah, you haven't heard Dan do this? Okay, click on this. No. All right, let's give. This I is, sure the fuck never heard of Coxbar. Yeah, this is Dan on the backing vocals. I think that's Dan. 
Who's Dan? Yeah, so they're going to headline tonight. Pennywise is uh, co-headlining, Travis mentioned. Uh, before that, we're going to see The Addicts, Discharge, Booze and Glory, Lion's Law, Wolfpack, Roadside Bomb. Someone named their band Discharge. And The Quitters. The Discharge has been around, they're, in, they're a British band, has been around since 1977. There has to be something being lost in translation. Can you? I mean, 1970s. If you put your band together in 1977, you're a group of old dudes running around calling yourself Discharge. Like those are some folks' grandpas. They had some exciting years in the 70s, I guess. They sure did. They sure did. What should we call this? Well, every time we get together and play, we have Discharge. (laughs) I told Jennifer I was amazed last night. The the one thing because you were talking about like mosh pits and all that kind of stuff, and that's yeah, that's not for me either. But it's. I mean. Most people are fine, but the level of intoxication at that thing is off the charts. Like people are drinking so heavily that you're seeing some people just stumbling around, bumping into, you know, one person to the next, just trying to stay upright. And it did seem like, especially with uh, uh, while Iggy set was going on, that we had we had an asshole in front of us at all times. And it was like they were working in shifts. Like one would be there being an asshole for a while and then he'd take a break, but they'd replace him with another one. You know, it was like it was as if they'd schedule the thing out uh, ahead of time. What are they doing? You know? Just kind of like they want to. Do you know the term pogo? No. Okay, so they just kind of jump up and down like a pogo stick, you know? That's like oh, one yeah. way people rate. And that's okay, but sometimes when they're drunk, they can't. St- they can't do it completely vertically, right? So there's a lot of weaving and bobbing and knocking into people and things like that. So when I've got Jennifer in front of me, I kind of have to throw up the protective forearm cage. That's the reason why I can't go to these things. Yeah. Because <laughs> honestly, in that situation, why don't you just throw the guy in a choke? There's a group of people. No one will ever know. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, until you mean so that by the time the Iggy Pop set's done, there's just kind of a field of unconscious people. Yeah, just choke him out for a good, you know, I would probably count to 15. Yeah. Make sure he's good asleep, <laughs> like piss himself, shit himself. Uh-huh. You know, set him down. I'm not saying be a dick and drop him on their head. No, no. Yeah, I mean, that would be rear naked crossing choke, the line, Put him it? asleep real quick. Yeah. Lay him down and then, you know, just kind of sit there. And then usually when people wake up, I find mm-hmm. that they're uh, – they're not violent anymore. Well, you know what? They're, they're, you know, if anything, he's probably going to get up and go. Probably, you know, I, I tend to notice people get up and just kind of leave. Yeah. Well, I've got one more day to uh, to try that out. So maybe I'll let you know how Tell that Jenna goes. One of, uh, yeah. Photo. Yeah. I'll let you know. Uh, I'll let you know how that goes tonight. All right. So uh, did you did you uh, watch any? Uh, did you see any of the fights from yeah, Stockholm? I did. I, I, well, uh, because of going out last night, I, I put in the uh, the final uh, matchup. Cause right. I, I got to be honest with you. Uh, Besides Ben Sanders, I didn't recognize a single name on the card. No, there was a lot of Euros on that uh, that card that uh, were kind of mystery guests. Uh, a few names I recognized. Uh, That's smart. Aware, I mean, it saves but, money yeah. for the UFC not to fly guys in there. But yeah. I wonder, though, if well, – I guess – I don't know. How does that work? If you're in Sweden and, and you want to see a UFC, do you really want the UFC to pick up 
all local fighters like they did to where it's like, well, I can go to an ACB or a KS. A, you know what I mean? Like, I can go to our events here and see these guys fight. I want to see, yeah, I mean, obviously you want to see a couple of local guys on the show. It mm-hmm. garners interest. But uh, they didn't really get access to anybody that, you know, they normally would have had access to. You know what? I've never understood why that matters so much to people, uh, meaning why, you know, I'm from Fort Worth, Texas. So James Vick is from Fort Worth, Texas. And that's cool. That's That's great. When I talk to him, sometimes I'll go, hey, do you ever go to this place? Or that? Oh, yeah, I know that place. But as far as if I didn't know somebody and I'm just going to a night of fights, yeah, it's not. Yeah, they already got you. You're an MMA fan. Well, no, I know. But what I'm saying, it's not important to me because generically. you're an MMA fan. Yeah. But if you were taking your buddy right now. Yes. Or let's say Jen was going and she was not a fan. Yeah. Not somebody that didn't like the sport, but just kind of like, eh. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, and then you're like, well, hey, by the way, where are you from? Oh, you're from L.A.? There's a kid from L.A. who's fighting on the card. It's like, oh, okay. You know, and I, and honestly, I think that's as far as that goes. Mm. I think it's just interesting for some people to just. Must for, be. I think it's for the more casual participant that's going to view the event that it gives them like, oh. But I think that, you know, the UFC is obviously saving money by doing that, having all the local guys. Uh, I think it's overboard. Like, you know, again, mm-hmm. you know, if you're going to a UFC event, don't you want to see the guys? Like, I mean, see, a, you know, a Demetrius Johnson or, you know, uh, uh, you know, Jose Aldo, you know, somebody that you didn't have access to that would never be fighting over in Europe because they're under a UFC banner, one of the top stars. And then, you know, I get having uh, Gustafsson because, you know, the, that's his, you know, uh, native area. But, uh, not having more of the uh, marquee names on the card, like I think was kind of, I don't know, like I didn't understand that. Yeah. Was, I, I mean, yeah. And I didn't really think I realized it until I went on there to go watch it, you know, uh, this morning and I, and, I, and I go to click on it and I'm like, holy shit, I don't, who, who? Mm-hmm. And, and like I said, I mean, I went down the list. I'm like, wow, I recognize Ben Sanders' name, mm-hmm. but everybody else, I had no clue who they were. Yeah, that, that I kind of feel that same way, not only seeing local fighters, but, I mean, we're just talking about the music festivals. Like, I think that sometimes when I go to music festivals, you know, I don't, if there's a bunch of uh, local or more regional acts playing, maybe on a smaller stage, I would probably endeavor to see the the acts that were coming over internationally or something yeah. first, because those are the ones I'm not going to get a chance to exactly. see all that often, right? Well, that was my thought process. And, you know. The main event was uh, was very important to the light heavyweight division. Alexander Gustafsson stops Glover Teixeira via fifth round KO, but boy, Teixeira was so hard to finish in this fight. Uh, took Gustafsson a lot of work to uh, to 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 be able to finish him. Uh, my first thought is that boy, this was really a reestablishing fight for Gustafsson because he's been having a hard time ever since he he narrowly lost to John Jones. That was the greatest performance of his career, and then he was very quickly knocked out by uh, Anthony Johnson. You recall that fight? I mean, it seemed like for a time he was. Uh, he was kind of MIA. You know, he kind of hit that status where it's like, what's going on with him? He got an injury. He was out for like a year after that. Dealt with injury. But, you know, it's kind of, when's he fighting again? I mean, it's the worst possible time for the momentum to just drop out when even in a loss like he had to John Jones, your stock goes up exponentially. I I don't know anybody that did not want to see that fight again, that of any of the options in front of John Jones, people were saying, you know, if I had to see one of these again, it would be this one because I'm not, 
100% certain it turns out the same way. I agree. And, and I think his head movement and his footwork and his hands have improved mm -hmm. uh, even more so. I think he was always a pretty slick, you know, uh, boxing type fighter. Uh, and so uh, if uh, watching him fight John Jones, I think it's super interesting. I think it's much more intriguing than watching Daniel Cormier, which I honestly just think Daniel stylistically and just his physical attributes. I just don't see how he can beat John. Whereas Gustafsson, well, man, I see a huge case. Mm -hmm. I'm like, shit, you know, height. You look at the first fight and look how much he's improved since then. Uh, you know, John comes up and shows up like how he showed up against, uh, you know, uh, OSP. Um, Gustafsson beats him. John shows up how he showed up at OSP. He still beats Daniel Cormier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it was important too, especially with the exit of Anthony Johnson recently yeah. from fighting. It was important for the, the light heavyweight landscape that we know we're getting Cormier and Jones at the end of July, but you would anticipate that uh, possibly Gustafsson could get the winner of that. Jimmy Manna was going to have a case to make as well. But it, it, I think it's important to have a couple of top fighters on deck, no matter what happens, uh, in that Cormier-Jones uh, uh, fight. And, and especially if Jones wins, he's now beaten Cormier twice. So if you don't have somebody like Alexander Gustafsson waiting right there, then a lot of times you can be like, well... Where do we really go from here? Now we're back to who can possibly beat him. Well, you got a guy who who narrowly lost to him, and then you've also got a guy, Jimmy Manoa, who hadn't faced him yet. So you have a couple of compelling storylines. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that, uh, you know, uh, Gustafsson was huge in the conversation of people, you know, because I think, you know, there was a strong argument for why people thought that he might have even really pulled that decision off in their last fight. But I think just uh, getting caught by Anthony Johnson, I think, really kind of derailed that conversation. Yeah. But uh, knowing now what Anthony Johnson's strengths and weaknesses are, just Anthony Johnson's capable of, I mean, right now, if we go wake him up off the couch and throw him in the ring with somebody, um, he could very well knock John Jones, Daniel Cormier, anybody out in the first two minutes. He's phenomenally dangerous, explosive guy. And Gustafsson got caught within that two minutes. I think he threw a front kick and, uh, you know, was just trying to get into the rhythm of the fight. And Anthony grabbed it and hit him with a straight right hand, and it was just all over from there on. So uh, I'm super interested. And I, I think that that makes a very compelling matchup. I think much more, I think it's a bigger draw for the UFC than even, you know, the rematch of Daniel. Mm. Uh, even with the. Uh, the the supposed hype and talking of trash mm. I, I don't know is it gained traction to you do you think with the fans with Cormier and Jones yeah I don't no no it see this is a weird one because I I have a position that with John Jones while um you know consistent MMA fans certainly know him I'm not sure where he's really where where the 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 casual fan is really at with John Jones right now because he's been gone for so long, he wasn't this huge pay per view draw even back then, you know compared to your top stars like Connor and stuff like that. Well, I think right? it sits weird with you because you know Daniel and and John, uh, you know as far as outside this. Uh, the fight marketing. Yeah. <laughs> In your opinion, Daniel is probably the more clean cut good guy. Oh, well, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And John's 
less so, right? To put it nicely, right? And then it seems almost like the narrative in this fight is switched. It does, yeah. It's weird because Which sits rude with you because you're like, well, that people is realize weird. that John's not the good guy, that Daniel's right. a good guy. Well, that is weird, but see, I think that is just the case even within the fight community itself. Because from a promotional standpoint, you were just—I mean, I'm, the 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 question on the table is, you know, has it picked up any traction? I just think this is one of these deals where it's like, um, you know, how many people are getting a crash course in education? on uh, John Jones and Daniel Cormier compared to, let's say, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz. So, like, in the build-up to that fight, right, especially the second one, the rematch, right, the Diaz-McGregor rematch, the world may have, you know, pretty much known who Conor McGregor was, but they were finding out real quickly who Nate Diaz was. I just don't think the casual observer is is has ever gotten the same course with John Jones. I mean, I think for as as great and dominant as he's been, he's always been a little bit under that radar in well, terms of promotion. Just, honestly, I mean, and I've had this conversation with John. <laughs> he tries to portray an image that's not him. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a part of who he is, but he tries to really come across that's all he is. And then things occur that become very public that stand in stark contrast as far as what he's trying to sell everybody. Mm-hmm. So then everybody just, I think that's why people, have, fans generally have a hard time attaching themselves to him because it's like, all right, are you the Christian guy or are you the party kid? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. or, you know, and I told him you could be somewhere in between, you know, I'm like, can't you be a guy who, you know, your father's, you know, uh, a pastor, you know, and you know, you know, you, you you do have these religious beliefs that you try to do your best to adhere to, but you're very mortal, you're very human, you're very flawed, and you make mistakes. You know, can't you embrace both? I mean, I think uh, you know, uh, people don't like that shit, man. You know, I think that's what John runs into. I don't know, but see, do they? I don't. I'm not sure that. I don't know. I mean, Daniel Cormier actually, it's like there's some sort of Cormier backlash in this, and people support, I, I, I think John's gotten more support in the wake of, of Cormier's criticism of him. Yeah, think? I mean, he's actually, John, Cormier is actually John's best friend in this whole situation, because yeah. he so took on the heel, and, and, and I think, you know, we can break it down with a psychologist as far as just... Daniel Cormier doesn't fit what people's perspective of what a hero should look like. Um, you know, Anthony Johnson, uh, you know, Conor McGregor, these guys fit more of a heroesque type of You're look. You're saying like physicality. Yeah, and then the tone of his voice. But uh, but let me let me ask you that. Now I, I think you're you're right. But how then do we explain the everyman appeal of Roy Nelson? Because then he but Roy doesn't go up that alley. He doesn't try to venture where Daniel has tried. Yeah. Where Daniel wants to be the gold medalist, the world champ. You know, Roy's just kind of like, eh, you know, I'm fat. I'm come knock you out anyways. Mm-hmm. And so he kind of embraces what mm-hmm. he naturally is. And then Cormier doesn't really embrace it, who he is. Instead, now he's trying to take this villainous, almost kind of like Mayweather type of route, which you're not Mayweather. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, nobody can really, I mean, you can take, you know, you can look at a Muhammad Ali, a Conor McGregor, a Mayweather, Chael Sonnen, and, you know, uh, 
and take things from them and go, okay, well, I like this or I like that. Maybe this, but you got to find out what works for you. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, you can't just reinvent it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You can't just do straight plagiarism, you know? And uh, that's, uh, again, that's what, I don't know. Like, that's why I think people just can't relate with Daniel because it's like, eh, but you're not. Alexander Gustafsson, by the way, weighed in on on this very topic in the uh, post-fight press conference. Uh, He said, uh, Jones is the biggest enemy. I don't like him. I give him that he's the best fighter of all time. He's pound for pound in our division. Everybody knows he hasn't lost yet. He demolishes everyone he fights. But as a person, as a champion... He's not a champion in my eyes. He's not a good person in my eyes. I always tell the guys I hope DC wins because I like the guy. He's a worthy champion. Yeah. So Gustafsson has the opposite reaction there. Well, I wish DC would embrace the fact that, like, look, you're a father. You're a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, DC has things he could embrace. You could sit there and go, look, I'm not naturally talented. Look what I look like when I step on a scale. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can't sit there and go, "Well, that guy, you know, reach and power." You know, you can you can look at different athletes and go, "Well, shit." You know, what I mean, like even Connor has physical attributes. It's like, "Well, shit, you were born with that." You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, like Connor weighed in, and when he fought uh, uh, Eddie Alvarez, you just look at his shoulder width and, and reach. And I mean, I was like, "Holy shit, is Connor really that big?" How the hell does this guy make it down to 45? If you look at his physical stature, just how he's built, like, I mean, long ass arms, long legs, his waist is up to his, you know, the bottom of his uh, chest. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he, he's built for length, you know? Uh, you know, it looks like a spider, you know? It's like, oh, okay, well, he's going to make a really good striker, you know? Mm-hmm. Kind of like an Anderson Silva type of build. You know, Anthony Johnson. I mean, the guy could have probably done any sport he wanted to had he started young enough in that sport, you know? Uh, you know, even like a Jose Aldo, Vitor Belford, you can look at different guys and go, shit, these guys have God-given or, you know, you know, <laughs> evolutionary-given, whatever, just they won the lottery. Mm-hmm. The, at birth, they just were giving attributes. Where if you look at, you know, Daniel, it's like, well, what what lottery did he win? He's short, fat, and balding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, like, but the guy is only beat, the only loss has come from John. Shit, he beat me in a fight. Mm-hmm. Uh He's a hard worker. I mean, he coaches the team. Like, everything I've heard of Daniel is something that's like, well, do you want that to be the head coach on your uh, – or the head guy, the team leader on your, uh, your your fight team? You're like, shit, yeah. Like, works hard, pushes everybody, great team player. Like, Daniel has a shitload of attributes that are extremely admirable, but I, he doesn't embrace them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that he just, it's like, well, the fans don't find it entertaining. So I think he's trying to, you know, Daniel, I think is his problem is that he's obsessed with how do I get more pay-per-view buys? So he looks at that number instead of just going, it's just like fighting. It's like, well, how do I get more submissions? It's like, you're not built for it. You know, I mean, how do you get more knockouts? It's like, well, it'd be like Verdum losing his mind because he's not one punch knocking guys out. It's like, well, Fabrizio, you're not built for it. Like, mm-hmm. you know how hard you're going to have to try to work to be able to knock people out in one punch, you know? Like, even Duffy, who's, you know, had nowhere near the success that you have, will always hit harder than you. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, that's just, he was built for it. You're not. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Daniel Cormier, it's like, you're never, ever going to be a huge pay-per-view sell. You're never going to be Connor. You're not even going to be in a shadow of Connor. 
be happy with what you are and try to do that the best. And I think he would have been happier with himself if he would have fit. It's like, okay, what what tools do I have at my disposal? What's realistic? To me, that's fighting. It's like, you know, if I'm getting ready to fight some gold medal Olympic wrestler, it's like, all right, so we're going to work on our double. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Really? We're going to try to take this guy down with a double? I mean, the silver medals in the Olympics, he bounced his face off the mat. You know what I mean? Like, you're going to teach me to take this guy down? Mm-hmm. Well, but but when he takes me down, I can punch him in the face to get him to take me down, and then we'll make sure he takes me down in a position where I can submit him. It's like, okay, well, what do I bring to the table? And I, and I think that's what Daniel doesn't do is figure out what he brings to the table. And like I said, he ha- just like the point you brought up, Roy Nelson. Roy Nelson is not shooting any commercials for, you know, suntan lotion and uh, <laughs> beachwear. Mm-hmm. It's not his thing. But, you know, you have a local dive bar, gambling place, local joint, uh, you know, uh, subway shop. He's your guy. You know what I mean? Shit, even beer. He'd be fucking hilarious mm-hmm. to have in a beer commercial. You know what I mean? Or hold my beer. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Uh but you can't work outside your wheel well. You know what I mean? Like you just have to take, I mean, you can, but you're going to have what you're having with Daniel, which is a very, you know, unsuccessful, you know, uh, go. You know, that's why I even like the Nate, the Diaz brothers. They have their stick. They're, they're very antisocial uh, as far as they have huge anxiety. You know what I mean? Like I feel bad for them because if you ever sit down with, uh, yeah. especially, you know, both brothers are that way. Uh Nick is a little harder to get to know, to talk to. I've met him on a handful of occasions, and each time he's extremely quiet when you're around because he doesn't know you. Mm-hmm. And I get it. You know what I mean? I, I understand. The guy's just not talkative. If you're not his friend, he doesn't know you, he's not going to talk your fucking ear off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nate, I've been around a couple times, a little bit more, you know, sitting down next to fights and stuff, and I've got to actually listen to him open up a little bit. And uh, super nice guy, you know. But they have a hard time being in front of cameras, I think the group of people, you know, shouting and screaming their names, it's not their style. But they've embraced it in a way that at first it's like, wow, this isn't going to work out well for you. And, and shit, it has. You know, I think they're almost like the anti-heroes of mm-hmm. MMA. Yeah, I I think that in, now in the case of Daniel Cormier, though, in his defense, and this is what's always appealed to me about him, I like the fact that, that he has, in my opinion, the appeal that martial arts in and of itself has, which is that of that equalizer. Now, he's a big, bigger guy, but, you know, we've all talked about that cliche example of, boy, you you, you never know who you're messing with these days. You know, oh, the little 150-pound exactly. guy may, you know, choke you out. Now, I know he's not 150 pounds, but what yeah. I'm – like, I recall when he was still in Strike Force. Um, the UFC had purchased Strike Force, but they hadn't, you know, absorbed it yet. And uh, I went to a, a, a media event, and I had somebody with me from the radio station I was working at that didn't know anything about MMA, right? So it was over at the Ultimate Fighter gym. We walk in there. Cormier's there, but there's a number of other people there as well. Guys who look like action figures, you know? And I'm kind of telling this guy that's with me, I'm going, so this is who this is. This is the champion of that, this blah, blah, blah. Going around, and Cormier's over there doing an interview. And, of course, at the time, he was heavyweight. And uh, I said, and that guy over there, He's not in the organization just yet, but he could very well be a UFC heavyweight champion sometime in the next couple of years. And I remember my friend going, him? He's like, I'm taller than him. I'm that guy? Really? And I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, and I pointed out, I said, see these guys that you think have this build or that build or that build? I said, he's beaten him. He's beaten him. He's, he's going to be, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, but I actually find that part appealing. I do too. I understand what you're saying. But, but. And that, he could embrace that. He yeah. could sit there and go, 
I wasn't given shit to yeah. start this race off with. Yeah. I've worked for everything I have. You know what I mean? I mean, there's a lot of other people that can't say that. I mean, John Jones can't say that he has worked for everything he has. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like, well, you're older and younger brother in the NFL. You're probably genetically gifted. You mm-hmm. know I mean? He has the longest reach of anybody in any weight class. So it's like, well, you have some physical attributes to start off with that nobody else has. Or it's not like you can sit there and go, well, you're just not working hard enough in the gym. You're like, mm-hmm. what am I supposed to do? Go to China and stretch my arms out? You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing I can do. So whereas Daniel, he could sit there and it's like, what the hell did I start off with? Mm-hmm. He's earned everything that he has. See, I the thing that frustrates me about all of the, the buildup and the trash talking, because where we agree on Cormier is that he's just not... He's too nice of a guy, I think, to be in this role of trying to, uh, you know, cerebrally assault someone, essentially. I don't know why he doesn't go with just the Olympic All-American college team captain, you know, like, you know, the personification of kind of like a Kurt Angle type of Mm -hmm pro wrestling kind of character yeah i don't know why he doesn't embrace that because that's who he is it's like dude naturally you are the hard worker the family guy the embrace the grind like i thought at first he was trying to go that route but it's like it's like uh he's not happy being a jedi it's like i want to be a sith i'm like but you make a shitty sith (sighs) dude like it's just well i think the frustration though is this you've got john jones in front of you who by the way for his part is not being quiet I mean, John Jones is taunting you, <coughs> Daniel Cormier, with the fact that, you know, I beat you and you can't beat me and, and all this sort of thing. But he's got all of this trouble and all this baggage that come along with it. So in a way, to me, John Jones is the easiest of targets because he brings so much of that on himself. But that doesn't mean that you're going to be able to take advantage of that if you don't have the right mental makeup for the trash talking. Like, even though John Jones is such an easy target, he needs Chell Sonnen in front of him right now and not Daniel Cormier and somebody who can take advantage of it. I'll get, let me give you an example. This is, if if I were going to... Uh, if John and Chell, if Chell could run the voiceover right. for Daniel, right. I would tell Malky, hey man, you got to do like a media blackout. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Don't even get in a conversation. This is ugly. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you really knew what you were doing, Daniel, or excuse me, John is a sitting duck. He is. And so let me give you an example. This is how I would play it if I were Daniel Cormier, okay? If if I look at, you know, look at, you know, put it down on paper and go, okay, what, what are the parameters of what I'm dealing with here? Now, if I'm being completely honest, John Jones arguably the greatest of all time, you know, certainly one of the most naturally gifted you know of all time. I'll go on right now and say that he is the best fighter of all time. Yeah, see, pound I'm not, for pound. you think, I, so I give Demetrius that nod over John Jones. No, because Demetrius has lost to people that only weigh 10 pounds more than him. Mm-hmm. I don't think John loses to the heavyweights. Mm. Well, I, that's a separate conversation, but he, he certainly belongs in the conversation. I mean, no debate there. Okay, so I look on paper, if I'm Daniel Cormier and I'm being honest, and I go, okay, well, he's you know he's beat me. He's one of the greatest ever. Can't I can't? What can I do? Go go to a press conference and say you're overrated. I can't do that. Right? That's off the table. Okay. So I'm looking at all this. Okay. But but what? Everybody in that room, at that press conference, the reason all those fans are in there is because uh, the guys on the stage are 
the best in the world at something that no one else in of the fans is is just even remotely competitive with right which is fighting i mean if you train it's going to be at a lower level i mean you can't just no fan could belong up on stage in terms of athletic prowess with the guys that are up there the best in the world okay there's that but what do they probably all have in common they probably mostly all have families there's a lot of moms and dads out there aha here's my avenue because me daniel cormier Here's me and my kids. I'm a family guy. That's going to make me relate to Travis over here. He's got kids, you know. But but what if, like, let's just use this room as an example. And you're a bad one, Frank, because you're like dad of the year. But let's say you're not, okay? Let's say you're as big of a knucklehead as John Jones is. What I'm going to look to do is I'm going to look at Travis over here who, who thinks he's a big Frank Mir fan. And he doesn't like me, likes Frank. You and I are, are fighting each other. I'm Daniel Cormier, but he's more a fan of yours than mine. So what do I have to turn against you? Well, Travis over here, you know, is 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 a, a dad of two, and you know, I'm I'm a dad and all this. I'm gonna start painting you as the worst dad in the world. I'm gonna start talking about how all of these selfish things you do, you know, that I'm going to make Travis over here start disassociating from you going wait a second he may be the greatest fighter in the world but i'm like a hundred times better person than he is and see if i make you look small in that way if i can if i can effectively build up to the fans that every fan in this arena is actually a hundred times better person than this guy is on a level that they can relate to things like having kids, things like respect for your family and all that. Then I've flipped something around on you that you can, you can't come back from it because you've dug that hole. So I give you an example. When was, when I saw Jones, did you see the, the, the backstage clip where, uh, Jones is uh, telling Cormier they had to br break him apart, and Jones is saying, what are you going to tell your kids when they say, why couldn't you beat John Jones? What are you going to tell your kids, Daniel? How are you going to explain it to your kids? I would not miss a beat. I'd look at him, and I'd say, what are you going to tell your kids when they ask you how come every time you visit them it has to be court-supervised? Ouch. Yeah. See? I win. Well, yeah, no, you're I right. I win. And... and and Don't I? I mean, I win that, right? Man, yeah. And then what does he say? He's got nothing to say no, about. No, because you're right, John, and, and we're friends. Is fuck, man. He, he you know, uh, he's left that door open for mm -hmm. people. To, and the only person who doesn't seem to want to walk through it and attack that area is is Daniel. Yes, because he's stopping short of that. Now, maybe that makes me more ruthless. Like maybe that makes me because I would. I don't. I actually don't understand. He's clearly not going as far as, I mean, he's calling him a junkie and all that kind of stuff, but he's clearly not going as far as he could well, and, with and, the and stuff. I don't even think he has to go the villainous route. He could kind of go on the narrative that I've already painted out that's like John has given abilities that he's built on. John has done great things with the physical attributes that he was born with, Yeah. but Daniel can sit there and go, well... <coughs> I have none of the physical attributes you have, and I've the only person to ever beat me is you. But as far as you know, he could talk about mental toughness when it comes to where you don't have gifts, like you don't have the mental toughness to not 
get loaded and get in yeah. the car or you know like when you were hit with a situation where you know you you know ran the light and you hit the girl like you bolted like you know he could really point oh, out you ran for you ran you literally yeah. ran from a i've never run from a fight you just ran from a fight with the law because well, you didn't think and, you could and, win and daniel can put it out as well you run from responsibility yeah that's mm-hmm. not a you know a manly fatherly right. attribute you know most people think well if you get you know and uh, you know if right now we're driving down to go eat as a family and all our families are together if we saw an accident we would all pull over and i think it's a very much of a manly thing to come to the rescue it's like okay well has someone already called 911 is there anything we can do should we move the vehicles to the side is someone injured what medical attention do they need what are we capable of providing well i can't do shit but the sidewalk's hot well can we slide some t-shirts under them you know like you know i think you know men jump to the occasion to it's in our nature i mean yeah. i don't know if it's from shit we've watched as kids but i think that's our nature as a man to want to come to the rescue and uh you know and daniel has that he could without out being a dick because he doesn't because you're right the problem is is that i've sat and talked to daniel we've done shows together mm-hmm. like uh you know on fox breakdown of fights he's not an asshole yeah that's his problem like i wish that daniel i could talk to me like look dude stop barking up the i'm a villain fucking tree you're not a villain you're not an asshole you're a mm-hmm. family guy you're a hard worker you're the team leader go with it though man embrace it embrace who you are and not trying to look for the, again, I think it's just like, well, you know, Muhammad Ali, you know, it's like, dude, you're not Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Fuck, you're not, man. You're not Conor McGregor. You know what I mean? You're not Chael Sonnen. You're not. You know what I mean? Like, it's just never going to happen. Well, and, and it also may be that he's just not willing to go all in. On, you know what it kind of... <laughs> do you think it's because they do got to fight each other? No, no. I'll I tell mean, you, I'll, I'll, a little I'll, bit of that. I'll you know? tell you what it is. I think it's a... And this this may be a little bit of a convoluted analogy, but you know where I never gave... Where, where I always gave uh, John McCain the most credit? If you remember the, the final weeks of uh, the 2008 presidential campaign, I mean, he's down to Barack Obama. It's, you know, pretty clear he's going to lose. And he's way behind in the polls. And he did a town hall meeting. But because of him, we got an awesome porno. What? Yeah, because what? of uh, Sarah Palin. John McCain? Oh. When he chose her to be yeah. his running mate, yeah. they made that nail in Palin. Travis. Travis has watched it. Oh. Well, he did. He did. See, he's laughing. It was a good one. He we did. got introduced to Lisa or shit. What's her? Lisa Ann. You didn't already know who Lisa Ann was? No, I didn't oh, know. Okay. Sorry. Well, I guess you do have Sarah Palin to thank for that. Yeah. After that, though, I got to know who she was. Yes. You know? Yes. So, uh, so John McCain did a town hall meeting, and there was a woman that got up, and you know she was being critical of Barack Obama. He's taking her question, and she's like, "He, he's, he's a." Uh, <coughs> He's an Arab like that. And John McCain's like, no, ma'am, no, no, he's not. Now, we, we have a difference of opinion, but he's not, you know. And it, it, McCain was not willing to cross a line that he knew better than to cross. You see what I mean? Like, he wasn't willing to, if, if he Make really wanted, yeah, if he really wanted to win at all costs and he had a willing participant in front of him, he would have totally jump down that rabbit hole with her you know and he didn't he was just like no no come on let's don't do that so i kind of in a way see where daniel cormier because i think he's a good guy does that in moments where he's kind of like yeah i'm trash talking but you know what i'm gonna only go so far and then i'm gonna walk back from the edge 
I'm not gonna, you know, I mean, I, I watch those things and I think of so many things I would just say like, all right, you know, John, if, if we're engaging here, I just think he sucks at it. Yeah. I think Daniel Cormier has never really talked shit to people. Yeah. He's a good guy. Yeah. I mean, like he was always probably that guy that was the big brother on the team. You can go to, yeah. Hey man, I'm struggling. All right, we'll come here. Maybe we'll work after practice together. You know, what are you struggling with? Oh man, this guy keeps hitting me with head outside single. Well, shit, I'm good at head outside single. We're mm. going to work. You know what I mean? Like he's that dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not the harass people, haze them, shit talking guy. And now he's trying to be. And that's why it's sometimes very painful. Yeah. Man, his post fight with Anthony Johnson, it was painful. Like, I, I wish it was like, oh, man, I wish I didn't really know him that well. Yeah. Maybe I wouldn't be so, uh, in, uh, I was slightly embarrassed. I was like, yeah. oh, man, this is just, that's not you, dude. Like, it's not you. And I think it just comes off as just kind of, you know what I mean? Like, you, you see someone like, it'd be like me trying to sing. You know what I mean? We're just like, ooh, that just doesn't look right. Like, <laughs> Jesus, man. Like, <laughs> like, what are you doing? You know? Uh huh. Uh, you don't you don't think you're you're gonna be up there with Jay Lavin anytime soon? No, no. Well, well I don't know. I could always do the. Uh, uh, you had an open invitation with Steel Panther. Yeah, we, do we get to do the? Um, shit. What was the one girl that got in trouble? The Simpson girl. We're like you know the uh, Jessica Simpson. Yeah, but no, the younger sister didn't. She, Ashley Simpson. Wasn't she on a top, like some kind of? Wait, way to go, Travis! You beat me to it. Fuck, man. Yeah. yeah. Ashley, wasn't you she talking like, about lip syncing? Yeah, lip syncing. Yeah, I don't know, but a number of them get, get busted for that. I guess we're just not in a time where you know people are interested in making the good guy the the hero. Um, all right, so hey, before we go, I got something else I brought for show and tell. Um, go down to the pick because this is happening right in our neighborhood. Do you know about the? Uh, there's a local election going on. Blow this up full screen. Now this is she's got my vote. Yeah, have you seen these signs? This is very this is very near our uh, where we live here. But All I right. think Kara Campbell would make a good whatever the hell she's running. Okay, for. so here's the thing: these two women are running against each other for a municipal uh, court judgeship. In right, yeah, Frank and I both live in the same district, District uh, Department Three. So is that what District One. Uh, well, for this, yes, yes, for the judgeship Department Three. So the deal is, is that. The if you're watching on our, she's going to be a judge. Well, she's trying to be. Man, she's. I mean, is that? Just, I mean, am I not wrong? I mean, no, no, she's attractive. So, yeah, like I, I think that I would get like held in, you know, like Mr. Mirror, stop oodling the judge. I'm like, holy <laughs> shit, like what? Can I please address the bench yeah. again? They're like, what do you? Have you yeah. watched one too many CSIs? I'm like, can I see you in the chambers? <laughs> so here's here's what we've got going. If you're if you're watching on our uh, phone booth fighting YouTube channel, you can see the picture. That's up on the screen right now. So at a nearby intersection to where we uh, where we live, you've got the sitting judge who is Heidi Almaze. She's the smaller sign down there on the left. And there's a picture of her reelect judge Heidi Almaze. <coughs> and then over here on the right, you've got the eight times bigger sign of elect Kara Campbell to the same municipal court judgeship. Does this picture not just personify bigger younger hotter yeah. i mean what are we saying here with this right we got my vote well first of all travis who are you voting for yeah travis I, for, first of all i don't get the the concept of you know when i think of judges i don't think of women i don't think of necessarily even somebody looks like heidi over here let alone kara but first of all hard-nosed judges 
am, am I being sexist to say no, I can't I, imagine uh, being sentenced to life in prison by someone named Kara? No, I guess uh, you're right. I mean, <laughs> if I was going to court, I expect to see some 65-year-old. Yeah, right. Uh, grade hard edge, yeah. you know. And then, uh, and then the other idea that somehow these photos should convince me to vote for them. It's like when you see realtors and they have the glamour shots picture on their card. The shit obviously works. Why? But why? Do why is that? Why do I? Why does that matter to me? Who I buy a house from? Well, it might not matter to you. That you're an alien, dude. Well, did, but is that is that going to be like part of the appeal to you that you're going to have this person? Be the the one who walks you through the escrow and all that. I don't kind of think stuff? consciously, yeah. but subconsciously, we like to deal with attractive people. All right. That's why I mean, I've heard people sit there and and it's true. I, I think extremely attractive people probably have a miscued sense of reality. Yeah. it's like, oh, you know, the world's not that bad. You're like, it's not that bad for you. Yeah, you're super hot, but look like that guy over there, and life's a little bit harder for you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. It to me, especially local elections like this are very scary in terms of what is getting people's votes or appeal, things so like that. You're going to fill us in on who actually deserves to get this? I will before election time. Okay. Yes. I mean, that's the thing. I'm actually so either I'm going to feel guilty or happy for voting for sure. Kara. Now, <laughs> now we've also we've established who we're voting for. Now, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one even better than that. We've actually got a uh <laughs> There's 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 two races to vote in here locally. There's this judgeship, but then there's also a, a city council position. So you got this guy, uh, Bob Beers. He is the uh, he's the uh, Republican. He's running against a guy named Steve Soroka, who's the Democrat. So I got this robocall. I'm just going to play this off my voicemail. Hopefully, we'll all be able to hear. It. I'll just play it right into the microphone. I got this robocall from. A third-party group telling me why I should not vote for Steve Soroka. Keep in mind, this is for city council. Okay, give this a listen. Hold on. Yeah. Oh. Of the lack of integrity and dishonesty of retired Colonel Steve Soroka, according to court documents in a Virginia court, Steve Soroka engaged in mental cruelty with his wife. Immersed himself in internet pornography what? and even exposed his kids to pornography. What did Mr. Soroka say when called to the stand in court to answer to committing adultery with a co-worker? He pleaded the fifth to what? avoid self-incrimination. Steve Soroka, who are you? Is this a person you want as your next city councilman? Paid for and approved by citizens for better neighborhoods. Not authorized or approved by any candidate or candidate's committee. Boy, is there, first of all, is there a more ambiguous title than citizens for, what were they, citizens for safe neighborhoods or something like that? Yeah, I mean, we can't possibly have a city council person who's seen pornography. Yeah, that was a little strange. Right. Like, well, he's been exposed to pornography and exposed his kids to it. I'm all, okay, you're right. On the surface, that sounds super horrible. Or it could be a guy who was on the iPad uh -huh. watching some pornography in the bathroom and then little Johnny walked in to grab the iPad and happened to open it and they're like, oh shit! And you turn the screen off real quick. I mean... If it's even that. It I sounds mean, to me like so the my guy... Da my dad exposed me to pornography then because I was able to find his stash of Hustler magazines. Yeah. So I mean, technically, he exposed me to... He brought him in the house 
Yeah. Well, obviously, they've gotten a hold of uh, some sort of testimony in a divorce proceeding where the guy might have been uh, seeing a coworker on the side. So, of course, mental cruelty and anguish and, you know, probably even if you're even looking at, at porn on the home computer, it's, well, the kids could have seen yeah. it, you know. And if that's the worst you got on the guy, but I mean, i got to be honest. For city council, like, what the hell does that have Fuck to do? Yeah, President of the United States. I don't care, yeah, care yeah, about your right. sexuality. Right. No, exactly. Yeah, but that just goes to show you, like, the the... What what plays into these little local races where, by the way, very few people will vote in these. I mean, yeah. this could be decided by less than a thousand votes. And whether it's this 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 robo voicemail I get or uh, Kara's picture being bigger than Heidi's picture there on the side of the road. That's how people are going to. And Heidi didn't seem judgments. like she was working with some bad stuff. She just needs to do a little bit better of a picture. Yeah, I mean, she looks like she's a little bit older. She's obviously the incumbent. She's had the seat. Kara wants to unseat her, but uh, I'm sure she had her day. She's Kara a fairly attractive-looking woman. <laughs> I got All a right. Sarah Palin idea. <laughs> All right, then. Well, uh, let's uh, let's do this, Frank. Let's tell everybody uh, how to get a hold of us, uh, how to follow us, uh, how to subscribe to the podcast. We are available via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, SoundCloud, basically wherever podcasts are available. I will ask you this, though. If you're subscribing through iTunes, actually, even if you're not, just go to our iTunes page, click on those five stars, give us a five-star review. That is very helpful to us keeps us uh ranked highly and uh, if you have an extra moment or two write a, a favorable line or two we like to read those reviews on the air uh you can follow us on social media myself on facebook at official richard hunter twitter and instagram is richard hunter frank how do they find you official frank mir on facebook the frank mir on twitter and uh Instagram, mm -hmm. and they can follow the show on Facebook and Instagram on Phone Booth Fighting, and Snapchat and Twitter at just Phone Booth Fight. Follow old Travis over here on Twitter. Scuba T diving. T is in Travis. He uh, he's building his Twitter army. Uh, a couple of uh, a couple of followers per episode. So uh, be the next to get on board over there. He posts a lot of stuff about diving. Yeah, I see that. And his daughter's on there a lot. Yeah, yeah. He's got a cute family and got a couple of cute boxers. And there's always things like there's always uh, uh, oxygen tanks on there, and, and then there then sometimes there's a lot of manual labor like jackhammering going right on. Now. Travis is the everyman of the show. Yes. You know what I mean? He's the one that I, I I look at his his Twitter and I'm like, see, this is like how I should be it's living. A good balance. He's, yeah, he brings a lot to the table that you and I don't. That's right. That's right. Like they just got a new uh, a safe, a quick pull uh, for a firearm uh, uh -huh. for my birthday. Where you just you hit two buttons and basically this metal safe opens up and it's quick access to your handgun and I'm gonna okay. put one in the uh, Escalade for Jennifer because she won't she's just the gun thing just she's too frazzled too all over the place so I don't like her really it's like if you're gonna focus and carry a gun then carry a gun but if uh -huh. it's an afterthought then like fuck it makes me nervous yeah but I'll put this in the car so in case you know someone ever like you know starts bashing on the window she could have a gun and so I was like oh. How much, they asked me, like, how are you going to, you know, install it? I'm like, oh, I got a guy. Yeah, yeah. Travis will bring his jackhammer over. There we go. Yeah. All right. Well, for, uh, for Frank and for Travis, I'm Richard, and uh, we'll see you next time here on Phone Booth Fighting. Everybody was kung fu.